To learn more about The Church at West Gant, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. Amen. Our kids are going to head upstairs this morning and uh, do a little Father's Day craft, so dads, you'll get a bonus. Uh, not only will you get the keychain this morning, but you'll get a, uh, a little craft as well. Uh, and while they're headed out the door, if you are staying in the room this morning and have a Bible, uh, I'm going to ask you to open it up to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to pick up in verse 20. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. I changed the passage this morning. Uh, I had sent my sermon title and passage to Michael and to Duncan uh, earlier this week, and uh, I had sent them this title, Fathers Prepared for Battle. And I had originally intended to go into Ephesians 6 and talk about the spiritual armor that all fathers need to carry with us, that we are uh, in spiritual warfare every day, that we are in need of God's protection and the tools and the resources that God gives us to be able to be the fathers that he has called us to be. But uh, over the weekend, I had a wonderful opportunity to go uh, away for a couple of days with, uh, with Wes, our new associate pastor, uh, and uh, Will Orr, who uh, you're going to get to hear from him uh, a little bit more and see his face around a little. Uh, but we had an opportunity to go away uh, and to pray over uh, the sermons for literally the next six months of our church as we looked at, God, where are you taking us from the pulpit? Where are you taking us in your word? Uh, and we began to look over as we kind of wind down the Sermon on the Mount series, where are we going next? And God, where are you gonna take us all the way through December of this year? And so we had a chance to do that, but Friday night, uh, we our families just kind of gathered together at a, at a house on Lake Hartwell, and uh, we just hung out for a little while. The, the moms uh, and the ladies stayed up in uh, the, the house, and they chatted and did their thing, and the guys went out to the bonfire, and uh, we just sat out there and we taught church a little bit and life and family. And, um, and then as we kind of separated and went to bed around, I don't know, some crazy hour, I don't know what it was, it was after midnight, but as we went to bed, um, I, I pulled my Bible back out and I went back to sit in the living room and just began to do my normal daily routine of just studying God's word. And I've been walking through the book of Proverbs in my, in my own personal walk lately and I just happened to come across this passage out of Proverbs 4 and I thought, well, we can't go anywhere else on Sunday. We gotta come here. Uh, because I believe that this is the passage that God has for our fathers today. As I was preparing and, and thinking through that and even praying over that earlier this week, even on a different passage of scripture, one of the things that stood out to me uh, in, in my, my thoughts about Father's Day was this, that a lot of times we, uh, we encourage moms on Mother's Day, y'all come in and we celebrate you and we're like, man, y'all are so amazing and moms, we love you and you're just the spiritual blessing to our homes and then we bring dads in and we're like, y'all are terrible, do better and like we jump all over you guys and I, I didn't want that to be the case this morning. I don't want you to walk out of the room this morning beat up as a dad. 
I want you to walk out of church this morning encouraged and strengthened and built up. I want you to walk out this morning with maybe some new equipping on how to be a better husband and father, but not out of a heartbeat of you failed, out of a heartbeat of let's do better, (laughs) out of a heartbeat of we can do more, out of a heartbeat of man, God is calling you to be this husband and father, and God has equipped you to do that, and God has placed you for just a time as this in your family to lead and to love well. And so this morning, I wanna spend some time just directing our thoughts towards our dads today, and, and I wanna encourage you a little bit in these things of, of what it looks like to be a spiritual leader in your home, what it looks like to be the man who encourages and loves and leads the family. I also wanna take just a moment to recognize the fact that many of us, including myself standing on stage this morning, don't have the best example of fatherhood to go off of. Many of us are sitting in the room today going, as Duncan said a minute ago, maybe it's not a day of celebration for you as you think about your own father. Maybe it's a day of grieving when you think about the example that was set for you or the lack of example that was set for you. And so I wanna recognize that this morning that maybe there's a few of us in the room today who are, who are going, man, I don't know what real fatherhood should be or I've just kind of based it on some assumptions or some guessing because my father either wasn't present at all or when he was present, he just didn't do the greatest job. And I wanna encourage you this morning that I, I stand with you in that. I, I've shared my testimony many times in this church, but my father was my pastor. He was my soccer coach. He was my youth pastor. He was my mentor. He was every spiritual leadership role in my life. My father filled that until I was in my mid-20s when we discovered that my father had been cheating on my mom, even in the ministry. And he left the ministry. Uh, he resigned from his roles. Uh, and he essentially walked away from our family, which drives a lot of questions around uh, what is the example, and, and should I be able to trust all the things that I was taught growing up, all the things that I heard my dad say in a pulpit when I was a child and a teenager? Can I trust those things, knowing the example that he ultimately set for me later on? But this morning, I want us to all be encouraged in that, and that there's always good things that we can find, even in the worst of fathers, but more importantly, there is a heavenly father that sets the perfect example of what it looks like to be a man in our homes, and that's where we're gonna go this morning. As we look at Proverbs chapter four, we're gonna look towards the wisdom of Solomon and what he says true manhood and true leadership needs to look like. Let's look at Proverbs chapter four. We're gonna pick up in verse 20. Let's read together. It says, my son, Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. 
Let's pray together this morning over the reading of God's word. God, this morning, we seek to hear the words of Solomon. We seek to to find the wisdom that he speaks of. But God, we don't seek that from an earthly king. We seek that from our heavenly father. This morning, God, we gather to hear from you. We gather to hear the words that we so long uh, to hear and that we so desperately need. And so, God, we pray that you would speak clearly through your word today. I, I pray, God, that you would speak directly to the hearts of our fathers in the room today, God, that you would show them what it looks like to be a, a leader, that you would teach them what it looks like, Father, to, to step out in faith and to, to bring their family with them. And I pray that you would encourage them where they are, God, that they, they have the ability They have the strength, not because of their own doing, but because of your filling of them with your spirit. God, you give them everything they need to be the man of God and the husband of God and the father of God that you're calling them to be. So God, would you do that this morning through your word? Would you speak clearly to us? Would you encourage our hearts and build us up and strengthen us, God, that we would walk out of this room more equipped and better prepared to be the people you desire us to be? God, we love you. We praise you, it's in your name that we pray, amen. The book of Proverbs is a, uh, an interesting book of the Bible. Uh, it is a literal, literally a bullet point letter, essentially, that was written from the wisest man to ever live, King Solomon, to his son and the following generations that would come after him. It is a literally a, a collection of wise thoughts. It is a dad speaking to the heart of a son and saying, hey son, if you're gonna really do some things well, here's what you need to focus on. And over and over and over again, in the book of Proverbs, we read a phrase like this, my son, be attentive to my words. That's how verse 20 opened up. Over and, in fact, just in uh, the opening parts uh, through what we've read so far to chapter four, this phrase has already been used multiple times in just four short chapters of scripture. Solomon repeats that over and over again. My son, incline your ear. My son, listen to my words. My son, find wisdom here. My son, love these thoughts. Focus on these things. Be intentional about this. And I I read these words and I, I used to find it really repetitive and redundant and kind of boring until I became a dad and then I realized why had to do it because if you got a kid you know you don't just tell them once you tell them again and you tell them again (laughs) and then they're going to still mess up and you're going to tell them again amen Jeff and you're going to tell them again and you're going to tell them again and then you're going to repeat it again and then you're going to think you're good and a week from now you're going to say it again over and over and over again you're going to have to say to your son listen You're gonna have to say to your daughter, pay attention. Would you just listen to what I'm telling you? I also find in this a passionate heart of a father who looks to his son and desires desperately that his son would succeed. The hearts of our fathers in this room should ring true and proud with the idea of looking to the next generation and going, man, I wanna give them everything they need. I wanna give them the words that they need. I wanna equip them to become the next generation of Christ followers. I wanna give them the ability to succeed in life and be strong and powerful in this next generation to proclaim the good deeds of God to those around them. I I want to be that kind of father and we, we see that in the heart of Solomon as he writes these words, incline your ear to me, listen my son, be attentive. 
because this is important and this is valuable and this is gonna change not only your life but generations to come. And dads, I wanna encourage us this morning that you have the ability to change generations to come by the way that you follow God, by the way that you exhibit his principles, by the way that you incline your ear to his wisdom. You can change not just your children, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. I have an experiment that I wanna do this morning just to see if this is true. You ready? I apologize if my microphone squeals, and for those watching on the live stream, you won't be able to see this. But I just wanna try something. Are we ready? Here we go. All right, let, let's, try, let's try it one more time. Woo! Okay, we got a few more. We got a few more. All right, let's try it one more time. Woo! Seriously, y'all, y'all, y'all gotta wake up. All right, hold on. Y'all gotta wake up. It's okay. I know we're in church, but it's okay. You have my permission. All right, nobody's gonna get mad at you. No Sunday school teacher is gonna bash you for this next week. Nothing bad is gonna happen. Here we go. You ready? Woo! Hey, we got a few more. All right, all right. So... If you've ever been to a sporting event, you know what that is. That is the wave, all right? And if you've ever watched that happen in a coliseum, it is a beautiful thing to watch because what begins from one person who just wants to do something dumb, everybody else begins to follow. All it takes is one spirited fan. All it takes is one motivated, passionate person about a sports team to stand up and go, woo, and then everybody around them follows suit. And it passes from one row to the next, one seat to the next, until ultimately an entire Coliseum is full of people doing the same dumb action. How much more important is it that we as fathers recognize there's a generation coming behind us? And I have to set the tone. I have to be the spirited guy who walks in the room and not stands up and goes, woo, but goes, hey, let's get into God's word. Let's study it together. Let's pray as a family. Let's, let's look at these things. And I have to be the father who takes my son aside and coaches and trains. I have to be the father who even puts my children in some, some kind of difficult circumstances so that they can be developed and challenged and strengthened. All because my prayer is not just that Gavin, Rosie, and Zeke become Christ followers, but because I hope that my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren that I probably won't ever meet or my great-great-grandchildren will know the name of Jesus and that a wave of God's movement will be started in my family that never stops. Solomon writes to his son and he says, incline your ear. There's something of value here that's gotta get past my generation to you. And it's gotta get past you to the next generation until eventually our whole family is praising the name of God and living out his statutes. Incline your ear. Listen to my sayings. Be attentive. He keeps going though. Look at verse 21. I I want you to count the body parts with me. You ready? I'm gonna reread this passage. I want you to count the body parts. First of all, incline your ear. That was verse 20. 
Verse 21, let them not escape your what? Sight. Keep them within your what? Heart. For they are life uh, for those who find them and healing to all their what? Flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech which has to do with your mouth and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes Look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Anybody remember the song, Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes? I won't sing. I'm not a singer. I'll get Duncan back up here. Duncan, you want to come lead, Head and Shoulders, Knees, and Toes? We'll do that this week with the kids at Kids Camp. It'll be great. Um... Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Solomon, as he's writing these words of wisdom to his son, he says, listen, you need to understand something about what it looks like to be a true leader and a follower of God. It takes every part of who you are. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. But he doesn't use head, shoulders, knees, and toes. He uses ears, eyes, heart, mouth, and feet. He covers every bit of us and he says, listen, if you're gonna be a father one day, if you're gonna be a, a, a man who rises up in his family to be a leader, it's gonna take every part of who you are. It's gonna take every bit of your head. It's gonna take every bit of your heart. It's gonna take your feet doing certain things. It's gonna take your eyes doing certain things. And so let's just walk through these one piece at a time because we wanna see what it looks like to be a follower of God, to be a leader in our families. He says, incline your ear to me. So it takes listening. We'll skip over that one we've already talked about how that gets passed. Let's still look at verse 21. Let them not escape from your sight. It will take from us as fathers, being leaders in our home and passing on to generations, it will take us constantly focusing our eyes on God's word. He tells his son, Solomon tells his son, hey, listen, incline your ear, listen to these things, but don't just listen to me talking about it. Put your eyes on it. It will take more than just showing up to a Sunday service, listening to a pastor give a good message that you incline your ear to. It will take a Monday morning putting your sight on scripture. It will take a Thursday night opening up God's word when no one else is around, putting your eyes on the pages of scripture. It will take more than just listening to some good people talk. It will take us putting our eyes on the things of God. Put your sight on it. Let them not escape your sight. Then he says, keep them within your heart. Keep them within your heart. That means that after I've heard it, after I've seen it, I take it with me and I continue to ponder. I continue to think. I continue to process. I continue to let it be something that applies to every bit of who I am. You know what's neat about the heart is that the heart is uh, one of the only organs in our body that is really in control of everything else. Our mind is one of them. Our heart is one of them. But the heart, as you heard in this, it says it is the wellspring of life. Just from a scientific perspective, that's true, right? As our heart pumps, it pumps the blood and it goes through our veins and our, our arteries and it goes to everywhere that it's supposed to be. But there's not a single part of my body this morning that's functioning that isn't impacted by what's happening in my heart. There isn't a single part of your walk with Jesus 
that isn't impacted by the fact of whether or not you have implanted the word of God in your hearts or not. We've got to be people who don't just listen and don't just see, but we apply it. We take it and we internalize it. We put it into ourselves and we go, let that just pulse through my body. Let that be something that literally impacts every part of who I am. Let, let it permeate every cell I've got. And so all that's left is Jesus. Keep them within your heart. He gives us direction about why. He says, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Do you catch the importance of the heart? By the way, he spends most of the time in this passage focusing on that one body part. It's pretty important. Now, we're not talking about a physical heart here. We're not talking about the one that's in our chest. We are talking about this idea of implanting God's word in our lives and allowing it to show in everything that we do. And the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, says, keep your heart with all vigilance because if you let the wrong stuff creep in, y'all, that'll permeate just as bad. That'll cover you just as much. And so we've gotta be people who guard our hearts, men, husbands, fathers. We've gotta be people who pay attention to the things that are creeping into our lives. We gotta pay attention to the roots of bitterness that start to stir up in us when somebody offends us. And we gotta be real quick to uproot that. We gotta be people who see uh, the, the, the sins that are creeping in, the lust that creeps in, the, the things that start to show up, the, the little signs that maybe we're straying from God. We gotta be people who vigilantly watch those things and take care of business when it needs to be handled. We gotta be people who care about what's going on inside of us, not just cold, stone-faced men, but men who truly understand the purpose of the heart and what it does. We gotta be vigilant. We gotta care for it. He keeps going though. Transitions from the heart to the mouth. He says in verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. He begins to get kind of practical with us now. The writer turns his eyes from kind of heart and sight and ears and all these kind of conceptual ideas to a real just practical piece. Put away your crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. If we had to evaluate how we've spoken to our families this week, if we had to evaluate the things we've said to our kids or our wife, if we had to evaluate the things we said to coworkers or next door neighbors, if we had to watch a recording, a video of all the conversations we had this week, would we be able to say that the crooked speech was put far from us or did we let it creep in? We've gotta be people who speak with uh, intentionality. We've gotta be people who guard our mouths and allow only the things of God to come out of it. And, and we've gotta pay attention. This past week, um, my family loves a movie called The Greatest Showman. I don't know if anybody's a Greatest Showman fan. Uh, it's a musical. Uh, it's got Hugh Jackman in it. Uh, it is, it's it's a, just a cool movie. I like watching it. Um, there's a song in that movie that they sing, and I have listened to that song a thousand times, y'all, a thousand times, and I have never noticed that there's a cuss word in it. Didn't have a clue, but you know who did? Zeke. We were riding in our car the other day, driving down the road. 
I had my phone connected to our radio and we were playing the songs from The Greatest Showman. And Zeke in the back seat sings right along with it and gets to that word and sings it loud and proud. (sighs) No, Zeke. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) I didn't even pick up on the fact that that word was there. Seriously, I've listened to that song on repeat with my children. We've watched that movie over and over and again, and my head just skips right past it. I don't, it just doesn't even register until I heard my six-year-old son say it, and then I go, whoa, where'd you hear that? On the song that you've been playing in the car with me. Turn that off. We have to be careful about the things that we allow to come out of our mouths because I guarantee you that more than a song from The Greatest Showman, my son has listened and heard my words. He has listened and heard the things that have come out of my mouth, not just directed at him, but in passing to other people. He's heard the things that I say, y'all know I'm a bad driver, right? We've talked about that before. He's heard the things I say when I'm stuck in traffic. He's heard the way I bash other people's bad driving. Y'all are some of them. Just, just kidding. He's heard me say those things. And I wonder when that's going to start to bubble out of him. I wonder when we're going to be riding down the car one day and instead of singing a cuss word from the Greatest Showman soundtrack, he's going to say something that he's heard me say. And I'm going to go, ooh, where'd that come from? We have to guard our mouths. We have to make sure that our speech is not devious or crooked. We gotta put that stuff away. We gotta speak with intentionality and give words of life. James chapter three. If you've never studied that passage, you need to. In that book and in that chapter, the writer gives us a very detailed description of the power of our mouths. I'll leave that up to you to go study this week. Then he transitions again from our mouth to another body part, verse 25. He says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. What is this writer of wisdom telling us? He says, leaders, fathers, men of God, put your eyes on the proper goal and don't ever stray from it. Look straight ahead and go for it. Pay attention and and lock your eyes on what's right and do it. When my dad was teaching us how to drive when I was little, um, my dad was a, uh, he grew up, uh, my grandfather was in the military and, and then he, after he retired from the military, bought a farm and it was a dairy farm and so my dad grew up not only with a military dad but a farming dad and so that's a bad combination of like just male kind of stuff, all right? And so my dad grew up under that. A lot of that got passed on, and I'm cool with it. It's helped me in a lot of ways. But one of the things that my dad required us to do before I could go get my driver's license, I had to learn how to drive a five-speed manual transmission. He would not let me apply for my driver's license until I knew how to shift gears and use a clutch, all right? Even though most cars today don't have them, all right? But I, had, I was required, I had to. And one of the worst things he would have us do, he would have us pull behind the church where he was a pastor and there was a, a, a driveway that went up the back that was a very steep hill. And if you've ever driven a five-speed manual transmission, you know what happens when you stop on a hill. 
You have to restart on that hill is what happens. And when you have to restart on that hill and you let off the brake, it's not like an automatic that it just pulls you up the hill. It rolls backwards, all right? And you gotta catch it with the gas pedal and the clutch. And so before I could go, I take my driving test, I had to be able to prove to my father that I could start a car on that hill. And that was like the proving grounds for being able to go. And I had to learn that. And I remember that. That stuck with me for years. But, but even greater than the lesson of starting on the hill, I remember listening to him coach my brother and my sister. They were both older than me. And I would sit in the car with them even at a younger age and listen to my dad teach them how to drive. And one of the things that he never had to correct me on because I listened to him correct them on was the idea of changing lanes. He would take them onto a four-lane highway and he would say, put your blinker on. Tick, 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 tick. And then he would say, look over your shoulder and what happens immediately when a new driver looks over their shoulder? <laughs> they turn the wheel. Where their eyes go, the car goes. The writer of Proverbs says to us, where your eyes go, your family will go. Where your eyes go, the things that you are focused on is the place you will take your family. Where are your eyes? Are you looking straight forward? Are you following the statutes of God? Are you pursuing the things that he's asking you to do? Or are you looking to the right and to the left and just swerving all over the road with your family? We have to be people who have laser focus. We have to be people of God who look to the things of God and keep our eyes focused there. Beyond our eyes, verse 26, he transitions again. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Many of us, as fathers, have gone some places we shouldn't be. Maybe before we were fathers. Maybe before we were husbands. But we've allowed our feet to carry us in a lot of different directions. The writer of Proverbs says, men of God, think about where you're going. Men of God, think about where you're taking your family. Men of God, think about the destination. Men of God, think about the next step. Ponder where your feet will go. As you think about that, man, I think about watching my children learn how to walk, which, man, I, I worked a crazy schedule in Virginia, so I missed Rosie's first steps. I have no idea when she started to walk, all right? But I watched Gavin, and I, and I watched Zeke as I've been around them a little bit more as a father, and and I remember watching them take those first steps. I remember Gavin pulling up on a coffee table and, and just getting that wobble going, right? And he's got that little thing. And then, and then he kind of lets go and he stands there a minute. And then the, the, you know, a couple days later, he's pulling up, he's wobbling, he lets go. And then he turns, right? And then, then it's up, wobble, turn, let go. And then, boom, you watch him take that step. And you go, ah! I have video of Zeke's first steps across the living room right down here in the church parsonage. It was, it was an exciting day. But you can watch a child's face as they're learning how to walk and, and, and man, the, the thought that goes into where their foot has to go. You and I don't even think about it. I just walked across the stage, didn't even think about any one of those steps. It's just like, oh, well, let's go. The only time I think about it is if I trip over something, right? And then it's like, well, I shouldn't have done that. 
But to a child who is learning how to walk, it is, where's this foot gotta go? And what's the obstacles in the way? And have I balanced myself just right? And, and, and is it taking me towards where I really wanna be? Is, is mom on the other side of the room with her arms open, ready to catch me? Or, or am I just like, whatever? But th- they are focused on where the steps gotta go to make sure they make it to the destination. So if our eyes are fixed on the destination and that keeps us moving in the right direction, our feet have to be focused on what the step is that takes us there. We have to be a people of God who don't just have a vision for our families, don't just have a a goal in mind, but we take intentional steps to get us there. So fathers, what's the intentional step you've got to take this week? I don't care what age you are. I don't care if your kids are grown and gone. I don't care if you've got a baby up in the nursery. What's the intentional step you've got to take that's going to ultimately take your family to the destination that you've got your eyes locked on? It's going to take you somewhere. Where's it going to be? As I coach and sit down and talk with men who are especially early in family pieces and guys who are maybe not married yet but kind of headed that way or maybe even men who have just been married but are still trying to figure things out, the statement that I always make to them is, guys, you are leading your family somewhere. It may be good, it may be bad, but you are leading them somewhere. And the only thing that determines where you're taking them is the step that you took today. Let me say that again because there's two important parts to that that I wanna make sure we hear. The only thing that matters is the step you took today. Not the step you took yesterday, that's part one. Maybe yesterday you took the wrong step. Maybe yesterday you allowed your foot to go into some evil. Maybe yesterday you misstepped in your walk as a dad, as a husband, as a man. That doesn't matter. God can still use you. God can still redeem you. God can still put you in your family as a leader. God can still take your family where you need it to go, where he wants it to go. But what will matter is whether or not you fix that today. What will matter is whether or not you come before God and say, God, I messed up yesterday, but I wanna leave that in the past. God, forgive me for the misstep. I wanna take it in a new direction. I wanna go where you want me to go. God, put me back on the right path and allow me to take the right step today. The step you took yesterday has no effect on that. It's just you making a decision today to be the father and the husband and the man that you need to be. That's the joy of God's grace. That's the joy of his mercy is that he he takes all of us and he says your past does not define you. The mistakes you've made do not ruin the future that I have for you. But it does require that you get on your face before me, that you repent from that, that you turn from it and say I'm not going that way anymore. I'm gonna pursue the things of God. And so part one, I'm just gonna say it doesn't really matter about the step that you took yesterday. And here's the other piece that I will say that the focus of today is take the step today. Tomorrow, there's gonna be another step. And the day after that, there's gonna be another step. And then another, and another, and another. You know what will happen if we're not careful? We'll get super overwhelmed thinking about all the things that we have to do to keep our family on the right track. In fact, we're gonna go next week, we're gonna be talking about anxiousness, going back to Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus deals with the fact of today and tomorrow and that tomorrow's got enough worry for itself. 
you need to focus on today. Let tomorrow be tomorrow. Focus on the step you gotta take tomorrow, tomorrow. Today, take the right step. Be the man and the husband that God is calling you to be. Fathers, we will never be the men of God that he desires us to be until we are people who incline our ears, until we are people who put our sight on God's word, until we are people who implant the word of God in our heart and allow it to permeate every piece of who we are, until we are people who guard that heart with all intentionality and ferventness, until we are people who put away crooked speech and devious talk, until we are people who focus our eyes forward and allow our feet to take us there. There are a lot of men in this church as I look around that I go, well done. Well done. I've watched you. I see how you've raised up a generation behind you. But the task isn't done. There's more generations to come. There are men in this room who are currently raising up a generation in their homes. And to you, I look at you and I go, well done. You're doing it. You're here, you're listening, you're inclining your ear, you're focusing that sight. The job's not done. Celebrate today. Be filled with joy today. Be rewarded today for the work that you've put in, but tomorrow there's another step. Let's go. There's a wave that we've got to create, a movement of God that's just waiting on us. But it'll only start when one of us stands up and goes, woo, let's make it happen. Let's be the men God's calling us to be. I want to pray for you. We're going to sing a song and call it a morning. God, this morning, as we think about who you're calling us to be as fathers, God, I pray. God, I pray that you would encourage us all in that that you would take your word that we've just studied, that you would implant it into our hearts, God, that you would uh, drive it down deeply into the roots of who we are and that it would begin to, God, just pour out of us naturally. God, I pray for every father in this room this morning or those who may be watching on the live stream, God, I lift them up to you and I, I ask, God, that you would help them to be the men that I know they can be, that you know they can be, God, and that today we would celebrate and rejoice over how they've been that, God, how they've displayed it, but may we also be reminded that the job isn't done. We've still got a path to walk on this earth, God. We've still got steps to take. And we never quite retire from being a father. We never really retire from being a leader of our home. So God, if there's anybody in the room as a dad, and maybe, maybe God, they've kind of taken their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Maybe they've slowed that walk down a little. Maybe they've forgotten to keep their eyes locked straight ahead. They've allowed their thoughts to stray. God, today, let it be a day where your spirit challenges them in that and draws them to repentance and restoration. God, if there's any dads in the room, Father, who are new at this thing and they just don't know what to do, God, I pray that you would use these words this morning to direct their steps today, that you would remind them of 
the necessity of keeping their eyes locked on you and their feet moving in that direction. God, would they be encouraged today that they sit in a room full of people who want to help? May they be encouraged by the fact that they sit in a room with a church body that is, that is here for the purpose of accountability and encouragement and pushing us forward and being a community together that none of us do this thing alone. And so God, if there's a, a dad in the room who's maybe feeling overwhelmed, God, uh, of just all the stuff that they're dealing with, God, I pray that today they would just get a pat on the back, God. I pray that they would get just a word of encouragement, a, a hug, a card, a, a text message, an email, a phone call, Father, anything that would encourage them and remind them that they are not alone alone in this journey, that they are loved, that there are men who are linking arms with them, who are standing up in the wave with them, God, trying to create this movement of God. Remind them most importantly, Father, that even outside of a church body, they have a heavenly Father who fills them and equips them and strengthens them and gives them everything they need powerful name, a powerful God, a powerful Father. God, if there's anything in us this morning that doesn't look like you, pray that as we sing this last song, Father, that we would be convicted of that and we would handle business. God, that we would repent from it, we would turn from it, and we would seek after you. God, I pray that if there's a broken relationship in the room that needs to be restored, Father, I pray that as we sing this song, God, that you would begin to stir in the hearts of people that we would just restore, that we would redeem relationships that are worthy and valuable, that you would push this church forward as a community of believers, experiencing a true walk with you, not just a good church service. God, we love you. We praise you for all that you're gonna do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.